It's good to be back. It's good to see you. How's everyone doing? Does anybody know where I went? Hawaii? Yes. You know, I heard all kinds of stories before I left about what a beautiful place it was and how I'd have these girls in hula skirts waiting for me at the airport. You know, the kind of things they show you in the movies. But I landed there and forget about girls in hula skirts. I didn't see any girls at all. In fact, for the entire month that I was there, I spent um, studying, you know, studying about God, studying about people, studying about how to take God to people, and a lot of other things. And one of the things I learned over there, and this might shock you, and I hope it does shock you because I think we need shocking. In less than 25 years, Christians are no longer going to be a majority in this world. In 25 years from now, which means in the age of your grandchildren, for those of you who are going to have grandchildren, you're going to be a minority for the first time in 1,500 years. And I can only wonder why. You know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus issued a command. You know what he said? Of course you know, because I've told this to you so many times. He said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you, and surely I will be with you forever, until the end of the age. He's not requesting you. He's not even saying, please do this. He's saying, go. Now, imagine Jesus is here. Okay, I'm going to ask you to do a lot of imagining today. Imagine Jesus is here. Is he? Okay. If he's here, he'd be sitting on a throne because he is the king of kings, right? And if you're subjects sitting in front of a king, any king, forget about Jesus for a minute, and this king were to tell you to do something, would you or would you not do it? Here you have the king of kings sitting and telling you, my brothers and my sisters, go and make disciples of all nations. And what do you do? Nothing. Nothing. Seriously, nothing. Which is why, in 25 years, Christians are going to be a minority in almost every single country in the world for the first time in 1,500 years. It is my intention to shock you because I was shocked. 
You know, I knew the situation was bad, but I didn't realize it was this bad. But then I'm an optimist, and why not? After all, I am a friend of this king of kings. Are you not, too? And it is never too late to do anything for him, especially because he says, if you go, I am with you. But first, he says, come. And I'm going to read you something from the Bible today that you've heard many times before. At least I hope you've heard, read it many times before. Uh, but when you're listening to this, I promise there are going to be um, new insights that you receive. I'm reading to you from Luke chapter 5. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesareth, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and have not caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything and followed him. This, my brothers and my sisters, is the gospel of the Lord. I want you to be Peter. Can you be Peter? Who are you? Peter. Okay. You're by a lake doing what? No, you're finished fishing. You're finished fishing. You've fished all night long and not caught anything. So now you're cleaning your nets. And you have to clean your nets because if you don't clean your nets, you will not catch much fish the next time. So you're busy. While you're cleaning your nets, there is this man. A magnificent preacher, full of wisdom, who's talking to people. And crowds are listening to him with rapt attention, just like you're listening to me now. Except for one man. Who? Peter. Why? Because he's busy. Doing what? Cleaning his nets. Here you have a guy who's so brilliant, everyone is crowding around him, but you're busy. Sometimes we're like that. We have words of wisdom spoken around us, but we're busy doing our own thing. And Jesus sees this man cleaning his nets, not paying attention to him. So what does he do? He gets into Peter's boat along with Peter, moves a little away from shore. Why? So that now 
He has Peter's complete attention. There is nothing Peter can do, nowhere he can go except listen to the master. Kind of like you now, you know. Just like Jesus had Peter locked in, I got you locked in. Now if you want, you can leave here. But I think you'll have more fun here. What do you think? Listening to the word of God. As Peter was listening to him. Marveling at the words that flowed from this man's mouth. Words of life. Words of power. Words of grace. Amazing words that Peter had never heard before. And he could feel his soul stirring just as I know your soul is stirring within you now. And then when Jesus finished speaking to the people gathered around, he told Peter, let's go fishing again. Now who are you? Peter. What is your occupation? You're a fisherman. Jesus is a carpenter. He's not a fisherman. Now, if you are a fisherman and a carpenter tells you to go out fishing when you have just been fishing and didn't catch anything, what are you going to think? What a stupid guy. He doesn't know anything about anything. He's a carpenter. He should stick to making tables and chairs, not ask me to fish. But he's just heard this man speak these profound words. So he says, Because you tell me, you know, I'm in no mood to do this. I've spent the entire night fishing. I want to go home. I want to sleep. But because you tell me, I'm going to do this. And good thing for him he did. Because the next moment, guess what happens? He starts to pull so many fish, he cannot put it on his boat. So he yells for the people around him, come and help me. And they come to help Peter. And they load the boats so full of fish that the boat begins to sink. And then Peter has what is known as an aha moment. Wow, this is extraordinary, which means the person in front of me has to be extraordinary. And who can he be except God? And when you come face to face with God, there is one thing you realize. What is that? I am not worthy. I am a sinner. So please, Lord, stay away from me because if you touch me, I will be burnt to a cinder. It is at this moment when Peter's life changes completely because you cannot stand in the presence of a holy God and not be changed. Now Peter is afraid because he knows Or at least he imagines that if Jesus were to reach out and touch him, he will evaporate like a wisp. But Jesus says to him, don't be afraid. I have not come to condemn you, but to save you. Why? Because God so loved the world that he sent his only son so that whoever believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Can I ask you, my brothers and sisters, are you saved? Yes. I know you are. What were you saved from?
eternal damnation. In short, hell. Right? I was saved from hell too, about 12 years ago. You know, headed there, straight down. No looking left, no looking right. No one-way path to destruction. And I was saved. And once I was saved, what did I want to do? When I saw other people walking on that same path to destruction, what could I do? Say, please go, die. I am safe, but you die. Go, 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 go. I started catching them one by one and saying, no, don't go that way. Go that way. Let me ask you again, are you really saved? Because if you are, you should be doing what I'm doing. Seriously. You should be going out there and stopping everybody who's on that track to hell and saying, hey, do you know what, where you're going? Do you know what's going to happen to you? Do you know what awaits you over there? Separation from God for the rest of your life. All eternity. Only pain. Only anguish. Only unhappiness. Only loneliness. Only misery. You'd be grabbing them like that and saying, come with me. Come with me. Seriously, come with me. You come with me. You're not going that way. You're coming with me. You're coming with me too. Come here. Come here. Why her? You. I want to save you. I'm her. And everybody, I'd, I'd pull all of you up. Seriously, I'd do that. And that's what I do. That's what I have been doing. Okay. <laughs> that's what I have been doing for the last 12 years. And the only thing I wonder is why am I the only one doing it? Peter understood that. Peter understood that. Which is why when Jesus said to him, come, follow me, Peter left Everything he had, including the miracle fish. Can you imagine God's blessing so bountiful that two boatloads were filled with fish? And he left all of that. He left all of that to follow Jesus. Let me ask you another question. Have you been blessed lately? With great things, wonderful things. But no, what is important to us are the blessings we have received rather than the blesser of the gifts. While they're clinging to the things that we have received from God, forsaking God who has given us all these things. Instead of leaving all that and saying, here is where I need to be because here is the source of my blessings. And when I am with the source of blessings, every single thing is available to me. What do you want? The boat loads of fish <laughs> are the greatest fishermen of all time who also happen to be a carpenter and many other things. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son to do what? To die for us. You know, let's imagine, since we're imagining so many things today, Imagine your wife has kidney failure. Both her kidneys are gone. And I come to you, my brother, and I say, you can have my kidney even though I have only one kidney left. Meaning that I am willing to sacrifice my life to save his wife. 
I can ask him for anything. Will you refuse me? No. Let us imagine that that little girl is walking on the road one day and a bus is coming straight at her. And I suddenly jump in front of the bus, throw her and I get squashed to death. Is there anything that you would refuse me, my sister? Anything at all? Now I'm not sure I would die. I would like to think I would, but I'm not sure entirely that I would die for any of you, but I know somebody who did. You know somebody who did? What's his name? He's asking you to do something for him. What value is death if we don't listen to what he asks us to do? You see, at just the right time, When we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die. For a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I think we need to rediscover that we are sinners who have been saved. For no other reason but that God loves us. I mean, so much, so much that he sent his son to die for us. We need to think about that deeply here tonight and every moment of our lives. Because it's only when we realize that will we be able to obey what God asks us to do? But we make excuses, don't we? We're not unique in that, by the way. If you want to take consolation, there was a man called Moses many thousands of years ago who also made excuses. One day he was tending sheep and he saw this fire burning up a mountain. So he climbed up to see what was happening. And he found God there. And God told him to go too, like he has told us. He said, go to Pharaoh and save my people. Just like he's saying to you. Go into the world and save my people whom I love and care about. What do you think Moses did? Moses says to God, this is Exodus chapter 3 verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Same thing we say, who am I? To go into the world and save your people, who am I? I'm just an ordinary accountant or an ordinary clerk or an ordinary secretary. Or an ordinary businessman, a businesswoman. I'm just an ordinary person. Who am I to go? God says, I will be with you. You need to go. 
But Moses has another excuse and he says, verse 13, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God says, I am who I am. You tell them that. We have the same worry, is it not? If we go to people and they say, Who is your God? What are we going to tell them? We're going to tell them who our God is. That he's the supreme master of the universe who sent his son down to die for us. And that son is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. But Moses still has excuses. Chapter 4 verse 1. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? And we do the same thing. What if we go to our other brothers and sisters from other faiths and we talk to them about Jesus and they say, how do we know your God is a real God? And just like God said to Moses, he says to you, whenever you go and proclaim my name, signs and wonders will follow you. You will see miracles like you have not seen before and people will know that I am God and that I am by your side. You think this satisfies Moses? No, he has another excuse ready. Oh, the number of excuses this man made was simply tremendous. Moses says to the Lord, this is chapter 4, verse 10, Pardon your servant, Lord, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. And we do the same thing. Oh, but I cannot speak, I cannot preach, I am not social, I am tongue-tied, I am shy, I am... All kinds of things. I mean, if there is an excuse out there, trust me, you will find it. And I know you have found it. Over the years since you have found God, over the years you have listened to homilies being delivered in church. Every mission Sunday, what is the priest doing out there? He's saying, go, make disciples of all nations. And we walk out of that with a hundred excuses. And then God says, who gave human their mouth? Who gave you what you have? Whatever you have is because of me. And I'm telling you, if you go out there, I will strengthen you. You worry about what you're going to say. I am telling you, when the time comes, my spirit in you will give you the words that you need to say. Anything Moses would listen now? Oh no, he listened. Listen to what he says now. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. That's what you do. Please send somebody else, Lord. This is not for me. Send Anil. He's good. He'll go. No. <laughs> no. I will go, my brothers and my sisters, until the day I die. I will push myself to the limits of my endurance. But I will go and I will try to save every single person I can save, even if it costs me my life. And why not? I know somebody who paid the price for my life and I will do anything for him. But the question is, what about you? He died for you too, no? Hmm? He loved you too, no? I know it is difficult. But only in the beginning, only in the beginning. I know you're scared to go and speak about Jesus to people. But only in the beginning... Once you start doing it, you find it becomes easier and easier. You know, years ago, uh, soon after my conversion, I got on a plane once. And as I was sitting there, I had this lady sitting next to me from another faith. And I knew she was Orthodox because she was dressed in an Orthodox fashion. And 
Five minutes into the flight, I heard God say to me, Anil, speak to her about me. And I said, how? You know? She will get offended and she will get upset and she might get angry and call the pilot or the stewardess and ask for her seat to be changed or, you know? And again, God said, Anil, talk to her about me. And I ignored him, you know? I ignored him as I often used to do and I know as many of you do and I looked out of the window and didn't listen to him anymore. Five minutes later this woman asked me, are you a preacher? And I was surprised because I didn't have anything in front of me that indicated I was a preacher. I didn't even have the cross in my pocket and I said, yes I am. And then to my shock she started talking to me about her God and never in my life have I been as ashamed or humiliated as I was then? And I made a promise to God that day. I said, Lord, I will never, ever again miss the opportunity to talk to someone about you. And even if they shout at me, even if they fight me, even if they are to put me to death, I will speak to them about you. And ever since then, I have done that. And guess what? I'm still alive. So don't be afraid. I'm not asking you to convert anybody, okay? You don't have to do that. That's not your job. But I am asking you to share your knowledge about the God who loves you so much. And when you speak about him, use the word Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me on earth, I will be ashamed of you in front of my Father in heaven. So, Next week, when you come over here, I hope you will testify about how you met one person in your neighborhood or in your workplace and spoke to them about Jesus. Will you do that? Really? Will you make me proud of you? Will you make Jesus proud of you? He's sitting here still. He's not moved, enthroned on the praises of his people. Go. Make disciples of all nations and surely I'll be with you until the end of the age I know many of you put a lot of effort into a lot of things that you do getting more money building a better house driving a better car but you know something when you die and you go to heaven you're not going to take any of that with you in fact the only thing the only thing that you can take to heaven from earth are the souls of the people you have helped to save. The only thing. And when you get up there, I hope just like the Holy Father got up here for Tony Melendez, God will get up from his throne to greet you and say, well done. Brave and courageous man. Brave and courageous woman. You put your life out on the limb to save those who needed saving and bring them home to me. And what a joy that will be. What an honor that will be. I keep thinking of how Tony felt when the Pope got up, came to him and gave him a kiss. And I think that God will do the same thing for me. When I get there, he will get up and he will come and give me a kiss. But I don't think I'll be very happy because I only think about 
the people I couldn't save or didn't save. Many years ago, there was a man called Schindler. He used to live in Nazi Germany. And as you know, during those times, the Jews used to be put to death in the millions. They used to be taken to these concentration camps and gassed and all kinds of things used to be done to them. Now, there was this man called Schindler who put his own life on the line, even though he was a German, and helped to save thousands of Jews from certain death. Won't you help me? Even one person saved is like a million. There was a man who was walking by a beach one day and he saw thousands of starfish that had been washed on the shore. And they were all going to die unless they were returned to the sea. This man stopped and he took one starfish and he flung it into the sea. And then he took another one and he flung that into the sea. And there was somebody who was watching what he was doing and went to him and said, what's the point of it? There are thousands stranded here. What difference is it going to make? And he had this next starfish in his hand. And before he threw it, he said, Did this one it does. This whole world is like that. Lost people waiting for someone to bring them life. It might seem a hopeless task, what I do, but every person I save is a big difference to that person. And every person you save makes a big difference to that person. So once again, I ask you, will you not help me? Together we can make a huge difference. And together, who knows? we might be able to return all the starfish back into the water. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this evening. I thank you for gathering your children together here. And I thank you most of all for the words you've spoken to them and the way that I believe their hearts have been touched. I believe they're going to respond to you, Lord, as we sing that song again. Here I am to bow down, here I am, to worship. But even as we say those words, we're also going to say to you, here I am to serve you, here I am to obey, here I am to do your will. Here I am to save your people, Lord, who are lost and afraid and lonely in this world. Here I am to go out as your messenger. Here I am to go out as the last apostle of the last age. Here I am to go out as angels, to minister, to bless, to save to love. Here I am. Let's sing. Feel the spirit move. I know he is here. 
He's going to touch you in a way you've never been touched before. He's going to bless you beyond measure just because you say yes to Him. He's going to anoint you from the heavens so powerfully you will burn like an inferno and truly the darkness will flee before you. You will be a new creation having understood that your mission on earth is not to do the things of this world but to fulfill the command of our Father to fulfill the wishes of this Jesus who says be a blessing to others as I have blessed you go and we say Lord here I am
and know that even as we said, here I am, your sight to us, here I am too. Here I am by your side, holding your hand in mine as you journey through life. Here I am with my blessings, my umbrella of protection over you and those you love. Here I am within you. Sheltering you, encouraging you, whispering to you, letting you know that in everything I will be with you until the end of the age. I bless you now, my child. I bless you. Disciples of all nations, making disciples of all nations. 